This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, hope everybody continues to be safe, healthy, um, and as we say, as we're currently locked in, I appreciate you all for sticking around here with Locked On Browns here. Going to be joined here today by one of my favorites from ESPN, Mr. Matt Bowen, Jeff Lloyd, Matt Bowen, your local experts on the biggest stories. Everything Cleveland Browns-wise, for the day at least, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. First things first, uh, you know, Matt, obviously, with anybody, with everybody we've had on here now, how's you and your family holding up here? I mean, uh, you know, everybody's, you know, dictated by where we're at. And I know you were mentioning, obviously, you're getting a little bit of luck here with the weather starting to break and everything. How's life? How's the Bowen clan holding up? No, we're doing good. Um, We have four boys, my wife and I. So um, just going day by day, really. Uh, started the e-learning with my boys and, um, and my wife's a high school teacher. So that obviously helps a lot. Um, but, you know, getting outside, trying to be as active as possible and trying to be as safe as possible. I mean, that's really the plan right now for our family is you know, like I was telling you earlier, win today, let's win today. And then we'll, we'll start again tomorrow. But um, I think number one thing is, you know, it's just to be safe, just to be safe. And that's what we're trying to teach our boys right now. And, uh, trying to trying to find the positives uh, in it, and um, you know, being able to spend a little bit more time together uh, than we usually do. You know, it's different. You know, Jeff, my my boys during the spring are you know playing soccer and baseball, and you know, no one's doing that right now. And um, we're just trying to find the positives in that and, and being together. And the number one thing is just staying safe. Um, you know, and, you know, like I try to tell everybody is, you know, look, take advantage of this. I mean, you're never going to get an opportunity where you're home as a family, which is going to be month, if not months, uh, find some mm-hmm. way. You're never going to get this opportunity. You know, the kids are only going to get older. They're going to have more in their plates, obviously with you and your wife having your own careers. We're not really going to get, hopefully we never get this opportunity again. So find some way to, right. you know, make the best of it. And the other thing is, as I've been telling everybody on the show here is have some patience so you don't end up a patient. And I was telling Matt, um, my girls last night were ready to go to World War III over a nail file. And my like, girls, if this is what's going to break us, we're in big, big trouble here because we're going to be here for a while longer. So hang in there. But we're going to talk some ball here. And conveniently enough, Matt, a couple of days ago here, Cleveland Browns went out. And brought in a former Iowa Hawkeye, and I know that obviously warms the Hawkeye heart of yours. Uh, Adrian Claiborne, uh, you know, closing in on 32 now. Um, tell us about the player we got here, uh, Matt. Well, I think if you're talking about Adrian Claiborne, you're getting a pro. Uh, that's who you're getting. Uh, a guy who has taken a professional approach since he came from the University of Iowa. And obviously, you know, Jeff, I, I always speak very highly of Iowa and Coach Ferentz in that program, but whether you're getting a veteran guy from Iowa who's bounced around the league, been in a couple teams and still producing, or you get a rookie out of the University of Iowa, you're getting someone that's pro-ready in terms of their approach to the game of football, how they take care of their body, how they, how they handle their business in terms of their game prep and off-season prep. And Adrian Claiborne, Claiborne right now is a rotational guy for you, someone that can rotate into the defensive line rotation, provide a pass rush, can play against the run. And when you have – I've always thought this, you know, going back to the teams I played on uh, during my time in the league, veteran guys who can add to the room. I always said that, you know, add to the room that are in that deep, for, in this example, in that defensive line room. That means a lot to younger players. They can help younger players. They can build more chemistry in the room. And I think it makes for a better room and a better overall unit when you have guys 
one, like Adrian, who's played a lot, played on championship teams, but also has that versatility to do different things for you on the defensive line. Those are the type of signings that don't draw a bunch of headlines right now, but they have their very productive signings when it comes to the actual season. Yeah, we've been talking about this. We've been harping on this about on the show for about two years now and having the depth and the diversity of, at the defensive line here. Um, Browns last year ended up obviously with Miles' suspension and Olivier Vernon's injuries. We were starting two free agents essentially at, at, you know, at, at the edge. Right. And everybody, oh, well, they're getting no pass rush. Well, I'm not getting pass rush. I mean, guys, you signed up for seven, you know, obviously not the best. Um, but now in this, the addition of, Six guys, at least for now, on the defensive line here. It allows to limit um, you know, reps. It allows for closer to 100% to get you know, each player to give with each rep he gets here. Um, it certainly wasn't something that you know, the old regime seemed to be too cognizant. This one certainly seems to be more. Thing. I, I'm <laughs> big, and I'm grateful here. Um, on the defensive side of the ball here, Matt, um, Browns moved on from Christian Kirksey. They moved on from mm-hmm. Joe Schober. It seems like we have, as far as the linebacker position here in the NFL, there's teams like the 49ers who say, you know what, get me the greatest athletes you can. And, you know, we have a huge, huge priority with the linebacker position. Then there's other defensive schemes where it's, you want to know what, I don't care. Let's get the second and eight. Let's get the third and nine. I'd rather have the better athletes, the faster guys, you know, whether it's the, the big nickels or, you know, kicking the extra safety down here. It almost seems that there's defensive schemes here where, the linebacker position is for now, and everything always you know tends to trend with the NFL, where the linebacker position isn't so important for some franchises. It's not, and I also, you bring up a great point about uh, you know your sub package personnel. If you look at your starting lineup and you're looking at Cleveland as a four-three front team, and you say, well, what are we going to do with our base four-three? You always almost have to look forward from that too, is what do you do in your sub-package personnel? Because right now I think every NFL team in your sub-package, what I mean by sub-package, uh, for your listeners, Jeff, you know, that's nickel and dime when you get extra defensive backs in the field. You're going to be in that more than 50% of the time, probably 60 65% of the time versus today's NFL offenses. So what, I, what I'm saying to that is what do you have in that situation? Who is that? extra defensive back that comes in. Like you said, is it a hybrid safety? Is it an extra corner? When you play dime, who is your dime linebacker? Is it a safety, which a lot of teams are doing now, transitioning their their safeties to play a dime linebacker position. So I look at that when you're looking at Cleveland right now and say, okay, how does that flip forward to the draft? Because I think there could be a situation for the Browns when they're in that second round and there's going to be some safeties on the board. And I know that Cleveland added two safeties via free agency. I understand that, two veteran guys. But, again, looking and flipping this forward to what you do with your sub-package personnel and how vital that is to playing winning football in today's NFL, that could be the direction that the Browns are going. The two signings that you mentioned here, I mean, both of them are one-year deals. Obviously, been in what his role is, Carl Joseph, it's it's always been an injury concern. So this is one for mm-hmm. the signing there is, hey, you know, play healthy, play great. Like we've in glimpses, let's get this longer term of you. And, you know, hopefully then we can, you know, obviously pay you in long term. Talk about some of these safeties here, though, because it, it, it was a class here where it was Delpit was like the main headliner here. And McKinney mm-hmm. from Alabama. Um, 
Delpit, we've seen nothing throughout the draft process, sadly, for his part. Um, McKinney wasn't fantastic here, but these a couple of small schoolers have risen, whether it's Winfield out of Minnesota is absolutely just climbed up a ton here uh, by being right. showing to be very instinctual, very showing to be ex, you know a, a really solid athlete, even better than some folks had thought. So I look at this safety. I think McKinney's the first rounder, uh, Jeff. I really do. Uh, I, I think if you're looking for a pro comp for Xavier McKinney, uh, for me, it's probably Malcolm Jenkins. Um, you know, earlier in Malcolm Jenkins' career, when you saw so much versatility, and this is how I look at safeties. What I think there's three, three really three categories for safeties: your ability to play and show range in the deep middle of the field as a post safety, your ability to roll down and play the run front, match the tight ends, and also do you have that that third category here can you bump outside and play and cover down as a slot defender and I think David McKinney gives you all of that uh, extremely versatile talent I know he didn't have great testing time um, in Indianapolis run the 40 I, I doesn't matter to me Jeff um, because I look, I look in the film and he plays fast he can transition on the ball with speed he's physical in the front He's got enough range and ball skills over the top of the defense. So I think he's a first-round safety. After that, I think it's going to be dependent on scheme-specific in terms of draft value for these safeties. You mentioned Antonio Winfield Jr. from Minnesota, quarters-based system. Do I think he'd fit with Cleveland? 100% I think he'd fit with Cleveland. Tremendous ball skills, a little undersized. Okay, a little undersized, but tremendous ball skills. Plays with a sense of urgency. It's the other thing you want to see, Jeff, when you're watching these safeties. Do they play with urgency? What I mean by that, do they get to the football? And we look at Winfield's on-the-ball production. I think he had seven picks last season. That's a ton in college football. That's a lot for one season, especially in the Big Ten Conference. Um, but he's around the football, okay? And that's why he has all this on-the-ball production. And that doesn't happen by accident. I don't care if you have seven picks of tip passes. I don't care. Because that means you're in your proper position. That means your shoulders are square and you're driving downhill on the football. That means you're playing your alignment and assignment as part of your, your own defensive scheme. I, and I understand why he's climbing, because he does have some versatility. He's also going to help you on special teams. you got to understand that. You draft a safety on day two, they should be a starter in all four core of your special teams units. Delpit is interesting to me. I mean, he really is, because you look at his 2018 tape, and Jeff, I'm sure you would agree with me, the 2018 tape is really good. It's really good. His 2019 tape, it looks like he took a step back. Now, he was playing with an injury, which I understand. Okay, so that impacted his performance. Probably did, but he's still on the field playing. He comes from a championship program at LSU, a program that consistently puts out defensive backs who produce in the National Football League because of the coaching they have down at LSU. Now, I think he has the versatility, not as much as McKinney. I don't think Delpit's a guy that's going to bump out and cover down against a slot receiver. But can he match the tight end? Sure. Can he run the alley again in a quarter system? Yes. Not as much. I don't think he's as fluid in the post as McKinney is. But, again, if, if Delpit slides out of the first round, because we don't really know yet, he could still be a late first rounder. If he slides out of the first round and Cleveland's on the clock, that could be a possibility. Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois. Downstate here. Uh, tremendous size. Uh, really high-end athletic traits. What is he in the pros? Is he a box safety? Is he more of a quarter safety? Can he be a guy that rolls down? So many teams want to play man, one robber now, Jeff, where they roll that off safety down, kind of patrol the middle of the field. Um, he's an interesting prospect in the second round. And I think really my, my top-rated safety, and some people disagree with me, but 
is Isaiah Simmons. I think he's a safety, Jeff. I mean, this is how I look at it. I understand he, his his traits are excellent. When he's 439, 438 speed, with his his length, his body type, his ability to play in space, closing the football, do a lot of different things for you. I understand all that. But you have to remember, Jeff, the first day of training camp, whenever that's going to be this year, when you draft a guy like Isaiah Simmons, what position are you teaching him? And that's what we have to talk about here from a coaching perspective. You can't – I think it's wishful thinking to say we're going to draft the guy who's going to play linebacker and slot and, and rush the pass. You, know, you have to teach him something, okay, because this is a big transition for every rookie. And day one, how they get into their stance, where they put their eyes, what are the rules of the defense, how I adjust the motion. You can't do that at three different positions at once. A guy like Isaiah Simmons, I think he could be an excellent quarter safety. Play one robber like we are talking about. Roll down as a cover three defender to play as a defender in space against the pass and a fill versus the run on the edge. But it has to start somewhere with his base teaching and his base development. I think that could be as a safety. Now you flip that, Jeff, to what we were talking about at the top of the show. Where is he in your sub package? I think that's really where we get into this with those safeties we just mentioned. Whether well, it's McKinney, Delpit, Jeremy Chin, Antonio Winfield, Isaiah Simmons for me, those guys become true impact players for you when you have five and six defensive backs in the field. Uh, and that's, you know, and everybody, you know, because a lot of people here, it's, oh, you know, Simmons, Simmons, Simmons. But I also think part of the question you have with Simmons, and even if you love the versatility and you love the fact that you can essentially, you know, use him as, you know, the queen piece in chess, it's, well, who's going to do the things when he's not doing them? And when he's not going to play safety, who's going to play safety? When he's not going to play base linebacker, who's going to play base linebacker? Well, when he goes up to, you know, play an edge, well, who are going to do these other things? I I think the idea of him is fantastic, but I go back to years ago with Reggie Bush on the offensive side of the ball, and it was, well, he can do a little of this, he can do a little of that, you can have him do this, he can have him do that. But, you know, everybody's going to understand that wherever he lines up. So the question would be is, you know, you're going to have people that you think maybe are lesser talented than Isaiah Simmons doing things that you asked to him. So it's great that he can do everything, but who's going to do the things he's not doing when he's not doing them? No, I think it's an excellent point. Also in this league, you know, why I brought up, you know, the teaching points and starting at one position, you have to master something, right? Jeff, you have to master it. You have to master your position. Uh, master your craft as a professional athlete. Master your study habits. Because if you're teaching someone seven different positions, then you become, you know, a master of nothing, in my opinion. And that's, you know, look, I'm just looking at this from my playing experience and now coaching at the high school level. You have to learn a position. You have to master that stuff to really be an excellent football player at any level, high school, college, or the pros. And that's why I look like a guy like Simmons who – Again, you use that versatility, in my opinion, in those nickel and dime situations. But in your base, like you're talking about, where is he going to line up? I think he's at his best as a safety spot. And then when you talk about being a, you know, using someone as a chess piece, that's what you do in those third down situations. And even second and long or even first down when teams have three wide receiver personnel field. That goes back to, again, what we were talking about. You have to have the personnel right now to win in sub-personnel or sub-packaging. If you don't, I don't think you stand a chance. Uh, It's it's what I agree with. I mean, granted, you know, it's not that I have anything against the player. I just, you know, I I think it's the question of what exactly are you doing with them? And, you know, it took years at Clemson before they found a correct way to, you know, get the 
best mix and match of him. And obviously, you know, mm-hmm. Clemson's obviously, you know, fishing off the uh, the strong peer of five-star guys pretty much everywhere. So it does bring up an interesting point with Simmons here. We're going to get to a little bit more here with Matt Bowen. Um, like I've mentioned a bunch of times, guys, you have the Google Home. Ask for your latest Cleveland Browns news. It will bring me up. Shorter spurts, more factual stuff on players, coaching personnel, et cetera, et cetera. But on Google, new, uh, on Google Home, make sure you ask for the latest Cleveland Browns news and have me brought up in shorter spurts. Sticking with the defensive side of the ball here, Matt, and, you know, we were talking here about the Browns, and obviously, you know, it seems more it's going to be more D-line oriented, more secondary oriented. And for a couple of years now, um, the nickel cornerback has become a huge, huge, huge part. Um, and it started probably more than a decade ago where teams were literally drafting even a third cornerback high because of the fact that it was due as a huge, huge piece of, you know, of the secondary. Like you said, nickel, dime, you're playing more than 50% of the time. So players like this, and there's there's a couple in this class, you know, us Browns fans, we've kind of fallen in love with the young guy from uh, La Tech. So, uh, you know, talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit if you could. Well, just, you know, from a general assumption or a general point of view, what the nickel corner means, it depends what you are, first of all, for scheme. Because right now, I think the NFL is trending much more towards man coverage. And obviously San Francisco was different last year. More of a zone-heavy team. We know the Chargers are more of a zone-heavy team. Minnesota in the past has played more quarters or split safety. So if that's going to be your defense, right, and you're talking about a, a, a nickel or a slot corner, the ability to play in space, the ability to tackle in space, that's the first thing. If you can't tackle, don't even come on the field. If I'm your defensive back coach and you want to play in the slot, you got to be able to tackle, whether it's tackling versus an option rod, a crosser, it's a zone defender, coming down and, and playing in that alley as a run defender. That has to be on there. The lateral change of direction ability. You don't have the protection of the sideline as, as a slot corner. Okay, you can't, you can't use the sideline as your help. you got to be able to play what I call two-way go, an inside-outside release. So that lateral change of direction or change, overall change of direction ability has to be pretty, pretty good, pretty solid. The footwork has to be there. The ability to blitz. That's the NFL game right now. Where, do, where does secondary pressure come from? A lot of times it comes from the slot. And, and blitzing is not just running in there. You, there's a technique to blitzing, just like there's a technique to tackling, to creating leverage, to playing man coverage. There's a technique to blitzing. Okay, if you're going to play more man-heavy defense, well, then you have to have the man coverage traits. I mean, and, and that's why I look at this cornerback class. Who has man coverage traits? Uh, that's what I want to see. Who has the coverage traits to play a deep cross or a deep over? Um, <clears throat> to play the shallow drive route. To play the slot fade. Play the inside, play the outcuts underneath in third and three to six, where you have to take that play away. Um, you know that's how I look at uh, the slot cornerback position right now and how vital it is to today's NFL, because it, like we talked about before, playing your sub package. Well, you're really now starting defensive back is that fifth defensive back. If that fifth fifth defensive back is going to be a corner, that's a starter for you. Now, if you look at the top of the draft, uh, Jeff, we know Akuda Henderson. Jalen Johnson from Utah. I really like Jalen Johnson. I don't know how much you've seen of him, Jeff. Jalen Johnson from Utah, probably more of an outside guy. But the press coverage traits, the aggressive off-man traits. He's a man corner. He's a physical player. I don't care what his top-end speed is because I know he can cover. Um, Christian Fulton from LSU. Again, I think more of an outside guy. Jeff Gladney from TCU, one of my favorites. I know going back, talking to you a couple years ago, you were – Real impressed with Jair Alexander coming out of Louisville. Okay, mm-hmm. 
I think Gladney has similar play style to Alexander. That's what he reminds me of. I mean, he really does. Now, Alexander has more top-end speed. I think Gladney's a high 4-4 guy, mid-4-4. But Gladney competes. And, again, if I'm a coach, I can win with that stuff. Even the guy that competes. A great tape to watch, and I watched it re- recently, is TCU versus Baylor. And you get Gladney versus Denzel Mims. Mims made some plays. Gladney made some plays. Even the best versus the best. That's a great film to watch. That's a great film to watch because Gladney competes. And if you're a coach, you can win with guys like that. Now, can he get a little greedy with his eyes? Sure. And that's the thing, Jeff, you have to understand about man coverage corners who have those high-level traits. They're going to get greedy with their eyes. You see that from uh, Trayvon Diggs from Alabama. He He has his eyes inside a lot. Why? Because he's trying to make plays in the football. You can live with some of that. You can live with an over-aggressive corner. It's going to give up some plays but make a lot of plays for you as well. Damon Arnett from Ohio State. And we don't talk about Arnett a lot, obviously, because of Jeff Okuda. We understand Okuda is a top-ten prospect. But Damon Arnett from Ohio State, another guy with man coverage traits. So, really, to answer your question, I know I'm talking a lot here, Jeff, but, <laughs> you know, it depends what you want to do you know, and, and from a defensive perspective because – I said this the other day to someone. We see a lot of guys who bust in the NFL. Well, why do they bust? It's not talent. I mean, all these guys that are drafted have the skill set and the traits to play professional football. A lot of times, busts happen uh, because of scheme-related, uh, you know, scheme-related situations where you draft a guy and you try to make him something that he's not. Okay, a great example I always use is during my career when I played for Greg Williams at Washington. Jeff, I couldn't cover anybody. I'm going to tell you right now. I couldn't cover anybody. Uh, unless it was like the backup long snapper running a seam route. Then I could lock him down, okay? But outside of that, I wasn't a cover guy. So what did Greg Williams have me do? Play in the run front and blitz all day. That's what I did. Play some deep half. You know, when I got help underneath and can backpedal off the screen, you don't even see me on film anymore because I'm playing 30 yards deep, right? So – you know, that's, a, that's an example of, of Greg Williams taking a player like myself who had a lot of negatives, uh, can only run fast in a straight line, and put me in a position where I didn't get exposed and try to cater more to my traits as a football player. And I think that's what you really have to do when you're looking at these draft prospects, why they fit in specific schemes. I wrote a post today for ESPN about the wide receiver class, which, Jeff, you and I both know it's a loaded class. Okay, but they have to be in the proper scheme to produce. Okay, a guy like Jerry Judy, I get it. Jerry Judy's going to fit in a lot of schemes. Why? Because he can get open. It's as simple as that. And that's his number one trait is the route running. And that, that trait works with a lot of offenses. But there's guys in this draft class at the wide receiver position that are very scheme-specific. If you put them in the wrong scheme, they're not going to be as productive. They just aren't. You have to put them in the scheme that, that caters to their specific traits and their skills as a route runner. It's the same with defensive backs really is so um that's why i look at this class i'm always looking okay where do they fit best in the nfl you know what's the best fit for them i wrote today cd lamb okay we all know who cd lamb is from oklahoma i'm going to the ravens at number 12. the reason why is because what does john gruden want to do he wants to wants to run crossers and shallow routes so Derek Carr throws you know that's where cd lamb's at his best after the catch Get him loose underneath. Let him catch and go. We know that C.D. Lamb can work isolation routes outside the boundary. I understand. They can go up and get the ball down the field. He's got deep ball ability. 
But his number one strength, in my opinion, is what he can do after the catch. His open field vision, his play strength to the point of attack, his ability to create angles versus defensive backs after the catch. So I say, okay, what's the best spot for him? Also looking at where he is projected to go, that's why I put him to Oakland because I think that would be the best system for him to be productive as a rookie, which is hard to do, especially at that position, especially in the secondary. It's a big jump, and it's a big jump in competition and speed. Yeah. Every week, every week you're getting the big boys here. Uh, we're going to have one more for here. Uh, here, you guys, uh, with Matt Bowen here <clears throat> on Lockdown Browns. Um, guys, it's the time here. Look, I mean, if you're not normally somebody who's going to look out for everybody else, it's time to drop that here. Look, you're running to the store. You're running somewhere. Drop a line to a neighbor, whether it's elderly or somebody, you know, they got kids. Maybe they can't get out of the house. Be good to each other here. Check in on everybody. Let's all try to get through this situation together. Now, getting into these wide receivers, Matt, and how it is scheme-specific here. With the injuries to Jarvis Landry, I mean, with the injury to Jarvis Landry, with the injury to Odell Beckham Jr., both of these guys going to, you know, obviously Odell on a faster track than Jarvis here. And you look at the rest of the wide receiver core, Rashard Higgins, who knows whether or not that's going to work out. Browns, fan, Browns fans would love it. I'm not sure if the new front office wants to make that happen. What what kind of wide receiver, what kind of guy fits this wide zone that Kevin Stefanski likes to run? Because it's a little bit of a difficult one because for the majority of the time, he likes to have two tight ends on the field. So you might, you might, you might have old school 21 personnel. Yep. I mean, the Browns went out and traded for a fullback, <laughs> right? They went out and got a fullback. So, hey, look, this offense, in my opinion, heavy play action. Okay, we, never, we haven't really gotten into this yet, heavy play action. That's why you go get a guy like Austin Hooper. It's the tight end position. We'll start with that. Now, I don't see Austin Hooper as a dynamic route runner. We understand how to use his frame, how to create leverage, how to find open windows and zone. And that's going to be that offense for Baker Mayfield, especially in the middle of the field, high percentage throws. Austin Hooper is an ideal fit for Kevin Stefanski's scheme. And like you said, the wide zone, you're going to see wide zone. What are you going to see often? Okay, off the wide zone, you're going to see post-cross. You're going to see wide receiver clearing over the top. There's another wide receiver screaming back across the field. Why are you going to create vacated zones and coverage? Think about cover three. You have three defenders deep, right? Well, that post, that's going to pull the corner. It's going to pull the safety. They're gone. You're going to take that crosser and bring it right behind the curl defender on the other side of the formation. That's a throw Baker Mayfield and make all day. And now what you're getting off that is catch and run opportunities. Okay? The quick game will be very important. I think RPO will be in the mix because of Baker and his quick release. Um, uh, you know, to answer your question, because they are, you know, it's going to be tough to get playing time. Okay. If mm-hmm. everyone's healthy in Cleveland at the wide receiver position, to be honest, it'd be tough to get snaps, what they have offensively right now, because you look at that offense on paper. I know we said this last year. I understand that. But with a new coaching staff and you start to flip this forward and say, what can they be? Offensively, the skill positions right now, Jeff, they're pretty loaded. You have to say that about Cleveland. They're pretty loaded. But if you're going to try to add a wide receiver to that mix, if you're talking somewhere in the middle rounds, I assume, correct, Jeff? Somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. rounds? A couple of guys I looked at, okay, if I was looking at that offense right now, what about going with what you said, you know, that there's going to be a lot of tight ends in the field. Let's say you're playing more 11 personnel based on matchup and a certain uh, specific opponent you're playing against. What about a big slot target? Again, middle of the field throws. A big slot target. Someone I looked at this week, uh, or last week on film and wrote about today, was Tyler Johnson from Minnesota. Okay, and here's the thing on Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson was ultra ultra productive 
in college. Is not, uh, I don't think has top end explosive traits in terms of twitch and separation ability at the point of attack. But he's physical at the point of attack. He's excellent after the catch. And he has some of the best ball skills in this draft class. I mean, some of the best ball skills you will see on film, taking the ball away from defensive backs. Um, that's an option. Um, who else did I look at that I'm thinking off the top of my head? Van Jefferson from Florida. Oh, Van Jefferson from Florida. Again, can you get open? That's the thing, Jeff. We look at all these traits. We look at all these testing numbers. It happens every year. Can you get open? That's the number one thing. Can you get open? Can you separate from defensive backs? Van Jefferson is a very detailed route runner. Again, I don't think he's an explosive play threat in the National Football League, but can he get open in third and seven to ten? Sure he can. Again, in the middle of the field, I think he has slot ability. K.J. Hamler, you know, I don't, I don't know if Cleveland would be in a position to draft K.J. Hamler out of Penn State, but that is a different type of slot receiver. That's game-breaking speed from the slot, okay, game-breaking game speed from the slot. Um, outside, again, I don't know if Cleveland would be in this position, but if you wanted to add some size and speed with tremendous upside and high ceiling at the position, someone is still developing. What about Chase Claypool from Notre Dame? You know, can win down the field and contested throws has played in the slot, has some formation flexibility, you know, because going into the combine, he's going to work out also as a tight end, okay? And, again, can be dynamite for you on special teams as well. I mean, those are just a couple of names, but if I'm Cleveland, I'm going to tell you, based on what they did in free agency, adding Conklin, who is a prime fit for the outside zone, or as you call it, the wide zone scheme. I think that was a great signing. Adding Hooper, excellent signing. What they did at the safety position, bringing in veteran guys, they could probably play in a quarters-based scheme, which I think they will be more heavy quarters-based. I think you still build along the offensive line. Uh, Jeff, you would know better than me, but I think that might be the pick for Cleveland in the first round. Um, and then when you get to the second round, you start looking at the safety position again, adding depth in the defensive line. Maybe look at a linebacker. You know, we, we, we kind of we hit on that briefly, but what if someone like Patrick Queen slides? Would that be a possibility? Sure it would. You're definitely looking for speed at the linebacker position because that's one thing they don't have right now. Um, and obviously, you know, that's what the one thing I think they have this advantage of is, you know, whoever Simmons falls here. Um, the linebackers definitely tested is, you know, definitely going to be able to run. And that, the, the whole group of them pretty much here. So even in a day three, whether it was a later guy like Davion Taylor out of Colorado, um, I think it's going to essentially, you know, scratch the itch that they have, so to speak, is what is available. They're definitely going to add one. Um, I wouldn't be still surprised if Nigel Braddon was a guy that they were looking at here as well. Um, you know, because, you know, the later it goes on, obviously, the more team friendly the money gets here. But I, I don't think that, you know, obviously, Goodson's, you know, a little bit more limited. You're hoping for a more consistent year two for Mac Wilson. But mm-hmm. that's it, essentially, because, I mean, for Taki Taki, his rookie year was essentially an incomplete. Right. Would, it, would they be in a situation where they're at another tight end? I'm just throwing that out there would they be in a situation where they're at another tight end because of how much you brought it up, the tight end usage, what's expected in the fantasy's offense, would they add another tight end? And would you see more 13 personnel, which is, you know, one running back, three tight ends, one wide receiver on the field where they use their tight ends as matchup pieces. You bring three to tight end person on the, on the field for a reason. Obviously, if you're going to run the ball, it gives you extra gaps. That's why you bring more tight ends to the field, get extra gaps that the defense has to defend. But also from a pass game perspective, 
when you have tight ends who have versatility and receiving skills, then you flex those guys out and you create a spread set. You say, okay, defensively, you're going to put your base in the field. We're going to make your linebackers cover. We're going to keep doing it until you change. Or we're going to run you off the field. So there's, uh, I'm just throwing that out there. There's a suggestion someone gave me a little while ago about Cleveland is would they look at the tight end position as well because of the offensive scheme they're going to install this year and because of how Stefanski has used tight ends in the past. The question would be is if they can find somebody they're confident enough in as a blocker. I think they have that Irv Smith type with David Njoku. They have a younger guy in Steven Carlson. The question would be if they found somebody, like what would be, you know, if Austin Hooper, if there were issues or Austin Hooper had an ankle and was out two weeks, the question would be is there that – is there a guy good enough in this class, Matt, blocking-wise? Because I do think that's probably part of the reason they paid the premium for Austin Hooper they did. Right. Well, I think you have to look at Cole Clement from Notre Dame. I think you'd have to look at Cole Clement. I don't know where Cole Clement's going to go. Maybe he's just, maybe he's top of the second. Maybe he's a mid-second. Maybe he slides. Um, and Cole Clement isn't dynamic as a pass catcher, but he can stretch the seams off of play action. Sure he can. He can stretch the seams off of play action and work to open windows versus two deep or split safety coverage right down the middle of the field. Of course he can. I think he gives you enough in the run game. So that's an option right there. You know, if you start looking at other tight ends in this class, you're talking about more receiving types. Okay, guys that are really flex tight ends that can run the entire route tree. Um, so it's just an idea uh, because I think Cleveland's in a really good position right now offensively if they continue to address the offensive line in the first round or gives them some options moving forward in the draft. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems foregone collu- uh, you know, conclusion, you know, tackle a 10 because for once in the Browns' lifetime, um, their biggest need and what should be available to them have, you know, essentially co- you know, coincided here. So it's good from that part. Matt, um, what's left for you here? Obviously now you've been, you know, free to do a lot more studying from the con- comfort of your own home. What's left for you to accomplish before this happens April 23rd in the uh, 2020 NFL draft? Well, we're still talking, you know, originally um, our schedule was, a, you know, I did the NFL matchup show for ESPN. Originally our schedule, as we do every year, is to have two draft shows. Now, obviously, that's been put on hold. Um, and we're trying to figure out different ways we can get that done. We're not for sure yet if we can do that. Um, so that to be a lot more on .com, a lot more print for me right now. Uh, I wrote the wide receiver piece today. Next week I got a piece coming out on players that are really, you know, kind of fit today's NFL in terms of versatile traits. Isaiah Simmons, the first guy on the list. Um, and then after that, I'm looking at quarterback fits. I'm going to take, you know, my top seven quarterbacks and put them in the, with the teams and basically where they're projected to dra- be drafted. And then, like we were talking about early, in the best position for them to be productive quarterbacks in the National Football League. Um, and then we'll get into the draft, Jeff. We'll get into the draft. Start breaking down the picks once they happen. I'll write more on the draft afterwards. Uh, I always write a piece every year after the draft uh, about, you know, 10 to 15 players that I think are really in prime positions. You know, we do all this projecting leading up to the draft. Uh, you know, for example, today, uh, Denzel Mims, the wide receiver from Baylor who we were just talking about, I thought one of his best fits would be to the Green Bay Packers at number 30 in the, overall in the first round. Um, but once the draft is over and we see where Denzel Mims goes and Jerry Judy and Isaiah Simmons and Jordan Love and all the top prospects in the draft, um, then we can write, okay, now we know what system they're in. 
Now we know what opportunity they're going to get in terms of play time as rookies. Now we can really start to project how they fit and how they can be utilized or how they can be featured, whether offensively or defensively. And that's what you get once we work through the draft is you have a much better understanding, much better understanding of how a player fits with the team, obviously, because they have been drafted by that team. Uh, but that's the plan for now. I mean, that is the plan for now is, is do a deep dive in the draft. You know, free agency is pretty much slowed down. There's still obviously some uh, top free agents available. We don't understand that. But free agency has died down. So right now at ESPN, our full focus is on to the draft. Oh, and it's actually funny because uh, the line you brought up here earlier, and as far as anybody doing any type of this work, it's it applies with bats going with at home. Win for the day here. Um, it's uncharted territory yeah. for everybody, and we're just trying to do yeah. the best we can here. Uh, Matt Bowen, uh, if you guys don't know, uh, at Mo- Matt Bowen forty one, he is part of ESPN. He is part of the NFL matchup crew. Um, one of my favorite analysts in the game. And the thing with is is match, it's passion. This is what this is why I think I enjoy Matt's work is. Matt's just a diehard football guy. And to talk about this and be able to do what he does, just a dream for him. Um, still coaches, and hopefully all this, you know, we can get back to that realm here soon. Uh, but, Matt, appreciate you greatly for your time here. You know that. You know, that's what makes these once a year or so sit down so special is I end up sitting here just listening along, and I kind of got to, like, poke myself every now and then, like, oh, Jeff, have the next question ready. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, man. You know, I always enjoy talking with you. You're doing great work over there. Keep working. Keep your family safe. Keep those girls safe at home. And uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. I'm sure we will. You got it. All the best, uh, guys. Matt Bowen here. Uh, like I said, make sure you're checking everything out at ESPN Matchup. Make sure you're following Matt. Uh, the show itself, Locked on Browns. Make sure you're following over there. Follow back account. Best way for me to keep in touch with you guys. DMs are open. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Again, DMs are open. Anything you guys want put in the show, we do have time to get a little silly with some things here now with the extra time on our hands. You know, we'll figure out some ways to just have some fun here. But, I mean, we are literally three weeks from the NFL draft today. So that is the that is basically what is on the front burner for the time being, so to speak. Appreciate you all. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.